Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by co-host Ryan Donnelly. We've got the Week 11 watch list for college football here this week. Uh, but before we do that, Ryan, how's it going, man? I'm living, Pat. I'm living. Um, we are approaching Judgment Day of our enemies, uh-huh. um, our enemies that you agree on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm having I'm having a damn white claw. I'm throwing it back to 2020. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a vintage style activity. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's a great week of college football. I'm excited for this podcast. Yeah, it is a really, really good week of college football. Kind of a weird, the way that the slates are set up is a little bit strange. It's It's not necessarily top or bottom heavy it's more just like i don't don't, there are there are like several really great games in every slate and then there's not really a a layer under that it's kind of just great games and then a bunch of junk um but that's fine plenty of great games is a is a is a fine week for me um should be uh should be really fun a lot of really important games as well like in in every time slate on on Saturday, there's important stuff happening. Um, before we get to that, we should tell you about our website. That would be meetatmidfield.com. Um, you can go on over there for the premium posts, the premium episodes of this podcast. We just put one out talking about the updated uh, coaching hot seat hot board. Uh, you get the, uh, as well as the, the premium weekly episode of High Street Freaks. I can only imagine that you two have, have, um, have totally lost your minds on, on that show and that it is, it is out of hand. Um, <laughs> that, that would be based on my interactions with you and Kevin over the last couple weeks. I, I think it's probably a pretty good time to go listen to High Street Freaks if you have not been doing that. Um, you also get access to the message board, uh, all sorts of good stuff on there, live game discussions as games are happening, uh, lots of game dis- discussion before games are happening, nearly 200 pages worth of discussion about the scandal at Michigan, uh, and all kinds of good stuff outside of that. Uh, we would love to have you. Meetatmidfield.com again is the website. Come on over and, uh, and talk some college football with us. Ryan, you want to tell people about home field apparel real quick? Yeah, of course. Um, it is our it is our number one sponsor. Uh, Home Field is our our bread and butter baby. They're the internet's top purveyor of uh, collegiate vintage apparel. Um, they are fantastic. They produce you know uh, joggers, uh, shirts, hats, um, all that good shit. Basically, all the best gear in the country. Um, I have a lot of new gear. I was getting compliments on the new Buckeye uh, jacket. Um, it, it is unbelievable, dude. That's just the gear they're putting out. I saw the Lady Vols jacket this week. Uh-huh. Um, it was insane. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, I mean, just the gear they're putting out every week is a different level right now. They are. Yeah. They're actually. They're gonna. They're gonna make me broke. Yeah, they're going nuts. They're they're going completely nuts over there. Um, and if you want to get in on that fun, go to homefieldapparel.com and use code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off your first purchase. That's homefieldapparel.com and code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Let's jump right in here. Week weeknight slate. Uh, there's a couple Mac games before the purview of this show, but we'll start on Thursday, November 9th in the most wanted category. Only game of the night that I think is worth watching even a little bit, and that would be Virginia at Louisville, 7:30 p.m. on ESPN. Louisville is, I think, the more important of the two teams here, uh, hoping to keep uh, keep hold its its grip at the top of the ACC, right below Florida State. Keep hold its its uh, birth, likely birth to the ACC title game, 
and we'll have a chance to do that at home. It feels like they've played like 20 home games this season. It feels like every game they've played is, has been at home, um, but they'll get the chance to do that at home against uh, an interesting Virginia team, a squirrely Virginia team. I, they're not good. I don't know that I can say that they're outright bad because they have done they've they've made a couple dents. They've they've won a couple games. I think that they have some stuff going on. I don't know that they have enough going on to make a serious game of this, but we have seen so many like pretty good ACC teams who are in a really good position for the postseason, just absolutely fucking blow it in a weeknight game against a team that they should easily beat. And that is why that's on here. <laughs> Louisville almost already did it by yeah. losing a pit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they love to do this. This is a thing throughout college football is like teams that obviously aren't at the top of the sport but are having good seasons and, and could, you know, be in position for, for big postseason play and, and important games, getting a weeknight game against a not very good opponent, they absolutely love to lose those games. They do it every single year. There's always like four or five that are just nonsense. And um, I, I'm, I'm interested enough in the possibility of that happening that I've got this on the board, even though I don't think Virginia is just on paper, good. like capable yeah. enough of, of, you know, actually winning this game. But this is a sport where weird things happen, and Louisville is a small margin team, and I think that that is worth mentioning, worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, yeah. What would be fascinating is they have already uh, – so so Florida State's top of the board 7-0 in the conference. Louisville's second at 5-1, and one, uh, and there are six teams uh, with two losses in the conference tied behind them. Uh, the fascinating part here is Louisville has already played and beaten five of those teams. Um, they have a game schedule or they don't have a game scheduled with the six, which is North Carolina. They don't play them this season. Uh, they have already lost to uh, the team tied for second to last, which is Pitt, who are currently tied with Virginia. They're going to play this week. It would be objectively very funny yeah. to play and beat um, all of the actual good teams, basically in the entire league, except Florida State and then uh, somehow find a way to shit your pants and lose to the two worst, two like the three worst teams in the league. Yeah. That would rule. That would be really funny. That would be such a great way to do it if you're Louisville, too. That is such a perfect Louisville season. It's where, like, they finally, they break through, they get all these, these quality wins, and then the thing that holds them back is that they just didn't show up for two games against really bad opponents. <laughs> that, that sounds that sounds about right to me with, uh, with Louisville football. That is... That's a tradition unlike any other for that program. So worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Friday, November 10th, we've got two games. The most wanted category first up is Wyoming at UNLV, 10.45 p.m. on FS1. Uh, big game for the Mountain West here. Wyoming is kind of out of it within, in this race. They've got two conference losses, and I, I don't know that a team with two conference losses is going to be able to fight its way back in, given that there are two one-loss teams and one undefeated team up at the top of the league with not very many conference games left. But Wyoming could knock off one of those one-loss teams here in Vegas. Uh, UNLV, meanwhile, of course, trying to stay in the race. It already has a loss to Fresno State. Can't really afford another one. It will get Air Force uh, in, in a couple weeks and has a chance to play its way into the, the conference title game uh, with a win there. But first, it has to win here. Really, really fun matchup. Really interesting matchup. Two extremely different football teams. Very important game. I think this is going to be really fun. I really, really like this as a late Friday game. Yeah, it's going to be perfect, man. I mean, I think the thing about Wyoming, as we've seen a couple times this season, is they kind of only win in one game state, right? They're not really comfortable playing a lot of different types of games. Yeah. And I don't know how much UNLV is either, to be fair. 
like I, I don't know like how much I trust this UNLV team. You know, they played very well like down to the wire with Fresno State, and yeah, um, they've also been shaky in a few other games against against pretty. I don't know. I guess just kind of one game. I'm thinking of mostly the Colorado State game. It's yeah. a pretty shitty team. Um, I guess I. It's hard for me to figure out how good UNLV actually is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they're very much in the race for this, and and they need to win this game, and be, and you know hope Fresno State takes a loss or they can beat Air Force to stay alive. Um, Wyoming realistically is probably cooked even if they win this one uh i mean they they are they beat fresno state i guess so if fresno state drops another game they could be in the mix but like yeah this is a huge game for unlv to stay in the race and not as big of a game for yeah uh, for why i like wyoming obviously wants to have a good season and stay yeah. alive but like the stakes are a bit lower for wyoming here right they're probably not gonna play for the league title they're probably going to a mid-tier bowl game no matter what it's just a question of UNLV trying to stay in this conference race. Yeah, I think I think Wyoming is probably <clears throat> pretty firmly potato bowl bound, given <laughs> how how often they have to go there. Um, there is a there is a sense of within that that program, like I I I think that they do almost enjoy ruining others' seasons as much as they enjoy having a good season of their own. Like that is yeah really kind of the kind thing of hater energy. there um they take a lot of pride in doing that they have ruined a lot of seasons in craig bowl's time there and so I, I i think that there is probably the the added motivation of these guys are good let's fuck them up let's make it really shitty for them and, and just <laughs> just knock them off the the rails basically um and so i i there is that side of it for Wyoming. The stakes of the actual conference race are not in their favor right now, um, but the, I, I would I would guess both teams are probably going to be pretty up for this one. Ma- Matchup-wise on the football field, I think it's going to probably come down to what it usually comes down to when a team with good skill players is playing against Wyoming. Uh, can you keep your quarterback upright in time to take advantage of those matchups on the outside? That's going to be the number one thing. Uh, defensively, I don't know that UNLV is going to be able to get a ton going. It's not a great Wyoming offense. It's not a good Wyoming offense, um, at least relative to the rest of the sport. It's good relative to Wyoming, but uh, and, and I don't know that low you, standards. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know that UNLV is physically going to be able to stop the run for most of the night. And so I, I think Wyoming probably can put some points on the board. This is never going to be a super high-scoring team. But for UNLV, it is just, can you keep Jaden Maiava upright? Can you get the ball out into space to guys like Ricky White before your quarterback is on the ground? Because you can win those matchups on the outside. These corners are not as good as they have been in the past uh, the, the, for, for Wyoming. I think that there is room to work on the perimeter, and that's the way that you have to beat them. That's the way that they have been beaten this season. That's what Boise State did. Um, that You can do that, but can UNLV... I don't know. I, I'm I'm still, despite the fact that we're in November, I still don't really know what to think of this UNLV line. I think that they are okay, um, but I, I don't know that okay is going to get the job done here. They're going to need to play really well. I don't know that the rushing attack is going to be a huge factor regardless, because Wyoming's pretty good against the run. But if you can get the ball to Ricky White, if you can make plays in space, I think they could win the game. I, I, I think explosive plays could, could do it here for them, because they've been really good at getting those. Yeah, yeah, I think you said everything we could say in the game. I will just say, just in the 
Um, in the larger context of, of kind of like the game itself, when we're going to be able to watch it, I, I do think it is a pretty beautiful thing that uh, it is a like late night game on a Friday night. Like this game is going to end at what, you know, 2 a.m. Saturday morning, probably or something close to it. Yeah, we love to have these kind of games. Why don't we have more of these? Like the late night Friday spot is should be cherished. Yeah, I, I don't. It, it seems like a good place to put games like this, right? That are like important for not a p5 conference but still you know they have they have stakes within their own league they have interesting styles there are a lot of these games every week basically the mountain west has had a lot of these games the Sun Belt has a lot of these games um like i don't know it seems like it might be a decent idea to put those in a slot where people would watch it it's fun football it's it's uh you're not going to be able to draw those eyes consistently on saturday when there's other stuff going on save for you know people like me or fans of these teams but um here there's nothing else really going on this is the best game on friday night by a a pretty wide margin i think that it probably will do fairly well and it's going to be a really fun game to watch i I, it seems like a no-brainer i don't know why it doesn't happen more yeah yep couldn't agree more um gotta have more of this stuff our no fly list game on friday night is north texas at smu yeah uh, at nine o'clock on espn2 um it's an interesting game i suppose unless you kind of think like I do that SMU is just going to blow out North Texas. Yeah. Um, See, the reason I have it on here is that like, yes, in theory, they will do that. They're better. They should do that. They're, they're playing at home. All of this is true. The reason I have included this is that North Texas in its last three games has played at Tulane, uh, Memphis at home and UTSA at home, which are the three other best teams in this conference with brutal stretch. Yeah. They get all four in consecutive <laughs> games. Jesus Christ. But, uh, yeah, they, and it's been tight in all of them. Yeah, yeah. They lost to Tulane by seven on the road, Memphis by three on a last second touchdown and UTSA by eight. They've been right there. Um, and you know, one score we just talked about on the premium show, one score games are kind of, you know, they can go either way. It's not necessarily at that point which team is better. It's just which team gets the right balance, gets the one play that it needs. If you are in those games, eventually you will win one of them, and they've been in so many of those games this season, and they've lost, like, all of them. They have one one-score win. Yeah, they're one in five, yeah. Yeah, three points over Louisiana Tech back in September. Um, if they're in another one here, I, I think that they could. Uh, this could be the time that they break through, and and they've been really good at playing one score games against good teams. So I'm I'm just if if SMU is sleepy, if SMU is not fully operational offensively, which has been an issue for them at times this season, um, I think it could be interesting. I think it could be an interesting game, one to keep an eye on, sort of in the same vein as as the Virginia and uh, and Louisville game of like just you're watching for a potential upset upset in a spot where upsets happen it's not unheard of for this for this sort of thing to happen it's a late night game it's a weeknight game i think it could be kind of weird yeah and also i mean they're not a very turnover prone team right north texas isn't yeah um they are they are pretty good about avoiding that i think they currently i mean i I guess they're i don't know it they average 1.6 turnovers a game but almost all those are fumbles they only have three interceptions from uh chandler rogers that's uh, such a funny way to do it (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess i guess stone earl was starting a bunch of picks uh is he is he's us playing is stone earl involved in these games how does that guy have four picks on 50 attempts that's insane is he like yeah. their hell mary quarterback or something um, uh no it doesn't look like it um he's stopped and played the last few weeks really weird um he doing? what are you guys doing with stone earl out there come on <laughs> yeah 
really bizarre. Uh, Stone Earl, get your ass to the bench. Yeah. Um, no, if you take out Stone Earl plays, uh, they are they are pretty good on turnovers, and Stone Earl will not be playing this game, so I think they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Um, they're they're and, and SMU's defense is dog shit. Um, but I don't know, man. These guys put up a lot of points on a lot of teams. It's one of the best offenses in America. I kind of just think SMU gets the job done, but I do understand your trepidation and what you're saying. It could be a good game. I just have to believe it when I see it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Saturday, November 11th, noon slot. We've got five games, and leading the way is the Abu Ghraib game of the week. In the Big Ten, that would be Michigan at Penn State on Fox. Uh, Michigan playing its its season opener here. First game of the year for Michigan. Has not played yet to this point. They're 9-0. They have not played any games. Um, they're playing a game. They're at, they're at Penn State. Not going to be the, uh, the the big night crowd that you get at Penn State because they have stuck this one on uh, in the noon slate. But it's a big game all the same. Um, top, top 10? Is Penn State in the top 10? I don't know if Penn State's in the Penn top State 10. Penn State is in the top 10. Okay, yes. top 10 matchup, uh, big, you know, Big 10 East implications, big playoff implications. Uh, it's it's a really big it's a really big game, and unfortunately, given the the stakes of the game, given how important it is, I don't think it's going to be all that close because I think Michigan is quite a bit better than Penn State is. I I don't really know that I see a path for Penn State here save for the offense is suddenly good, which it really hasn't been all year. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, right? Like, if we see the Michigan team we've seen all season and the Penn State team we've seen all season, Michigan is winning by somewhere between 7 and 10 points on the road, right? I think that's probably my prediction. Yeah. Um, it could be worse than that. I don't know. I, I think the, the limiting factor here is that, like, Penn State's not going to get run off the field. They did last season. The run defense is quite good. Uh, and Michigan's yeah. also struggled in the running game. I know J.J. McCarthy's had a great season, but I, I don't really think you beat Penn State very often by just shredding them in the passing game and, like, racking up 40 points that way. Yeah. It hasn't been that way for a few years. Their secondary is always very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically the only time so, I remember that happening was, like, 2018 Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins, and that was mostly in the fourth quarter. That was that was yeah. kind of its own its own deal. Or also in the fourth quarter 2017 J.T. Barrett, which is yeah. even funnier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's been a while. It's been a while. And... I guess what I would say is I think Penn State's capable of keeping the game close. Um, I think Michigan probably has their worst offensive output of the season, which makes sense when you have, you know, even if they're not an elite defense, they're they're one of the top 10 defenses in the country, yeah. right? Um, playing against you, it's a road game. Um, I don't, I agree that based on what, everything I've seen in the field this season, I do not see Penn State winning. Not to, you know, be the guy but you do have to kind of acknowledge the fact that this is the first real opponent we've seen Michigan play all year for one thing and the second is that we haven't really seen them play a serious team without like the signals benefit and your opinion on how much that's an influence will probably color your opinion on on how that impacts Michigan in this game yeah um it's impossible to quantify I'm not going to try to but it is something worth noting that it's it's going to be interesting to watch and probably color a lot of people's opinions in public about this team. Yeah. Um, I I think maybe the one avenue you can say is that Michigan is happy to give up a lot of like the short passes that Penn State has thrown all year. Mm. Um, they really don't push the ball down. They did last week against Maryland. That's kind of the first time all year they push the ball downfield. And hey, by the way, it's the first time their offense looked good all year. Yeah. Um, weird. But <laughs> weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how well they're going to do on that against Michigan. Michigan really does not allow many explosives at all. Yeah. Um, however, if they are willing to dink and dunk and stay patient and think they can keep Drew Aller clean, which I'm skeptical. I, I don't know. Like, 
I, I think Michigan's interior defensive line is good. I think among the national title contenders, I, I don't know how much I'm impressed by like their pass rush, just watching them play. Yeah. Um, and if you can keep Aller clean and you can dink and dunk, you can get down the field. Are you going to put up 40 points? No, of course not. But if you can make this a tight, ugly game and you get a couple of turn, you get a little turnover lock, a ball bounces the right way, you win, you know, 21-17. Like, I don't know if that's crazy to think. I don't predict that. I, again, I think Michigan's going to win. But if we're talking about Penn State path to victories, it's winning the turnover battle. Uh, it's uh, taking what Michigan gives you and keeping Drew Aller clean and hoping you get a little bit of luck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's fair. Um, it is a kind of a, it's, it's not lost on me, the cruel fate that Penn State has suffered this season, which is that um, after, after years of Ohio State not doing this and, and, you know, all, all of, uh, all of the offense that Ohio State has had in recent years, uh, that, that Penn State has this awesome defense and this kind of plotting offense. And it is in a year where Michigan and Ohio State are doing the same thing, basically, but better. Um, they just can't catch a break. <laughs> they can't, they cannot pause Like no matter what they try to do, no matter what the, the approach is for Penn State, Ohio State and Michigan are already doing it that season and they're doing it with better players. <laughs> it's yeah uh, it's unfortunate it's unfortunate for 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 penn state that that keeps happening um michigan's offense has been uh, good but it's... i think you could also say though like penn's like look ohio state's offense is worse than michigan's offense yeah uh, obviously yeah however ohio state did beat penn state's defense essentially by a result of having the best player in college football playing wide receiver mm-hmm. um and while i think roman wilson is very good he's not He's not Marvin Harrison, right? There's no one on Michigan's offense who's Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. And I think outside of plays the Marvin Harrison, Penn State's offense was pretty shut down. Dude. Penn State's defense, rather. Yeah. Sorry. Penn State's their offense was also shut down, but yeah. different point. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think that's fair to, to point out here. I, I would I'm not saying I'm, my yeah. my my counter to that, and not fully, because Marvin Harrison Jr. is his own his own thing, and, and there's not really a way to replicate a guy who is just open all the time and catches every ball that you throw at him right Um, but mccarthy's better than mccord yes that was where i was going is that there were throws that were probably open for kyle mccord that he didn't hit um and if you put a quarterback in there not a ton i mean like enough (laughs) enough that it was noticeable and enough that i don't think jj would miss even if the receivers aren't as you know at at the top end aren't as good as as you know marvin harrison jr um if they are open i don't think he's going to miss them in the way that that mccord has at times this season and also i don't think jj is going to stand back there and wait until he gets hit and fumble he doesn't really do that a ton this <laughs> this season um he's not really he's not really given the ball thank away. you very much sir that is the one game Kyle McCord did not fumble in the last like 12 <laughs> consecutive weeks did, uh, he, did, he, did he at least have an intentional grounding he does that oh a lot you know as well. he did oh you know yeah his ass did. oh yeah um but yeah look again I I don't think Penn State wins this game but if I'm talking myself into it I'm using motivated reasoning. Mm-hmm. I'm pointing out the difference in not knowing every call the opponent's playing, the, the <laughs> opponent's using. I'm pointing out that, you know, I, I think that Michigan probably doesn't have the same level of pass rush that Ohio State does, um, especially from the from the edge. And I'm pointing out that 
Michigan doesn't have an, a Marvin Harrison Jr. level offensive player. And you're right that McCarthy's better than McCord. Yeah, they're, I, I think they're going to be these, more efficient than Ohio State was. Yeah, and yeah. even even with this rushing attack at Michigan, you know, struggling relative to its own standards, the rushing attack is better here as well um, than than it has been at Ohio State. Ohio State has been improving on the ground, but Michigan's is is better still. Um, I, I think it has one very special running back and a pretty structurally flawed rushing attack. Okay. Um, well, the result is that they're 21st in success rate in, in, in rushing the ball, and I think that that's probably going to be enough to move it consistently, which is Ohio State didn't do a ton of that against Penn State. It was a lot of Marvin Harrison Jr. It was a lot of him going and making a play. I think that, that being able to drive down the field because you can trust generally your rushing attack to get you some yards and you can trust your quarterback yeah. to hit guys who are open. I think it will look different, but I think the result will be the same, which is a relatively comfortable win over a limited Penn State team. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, I mean, I think that's a perfectly reasonable conclusion to draw. I'm not going to argue with you too much. Mm. Um, I guess the last thing I would point out here is that Michigan will having played a series of pretty bad pass rushes and defenses overall. They haven't really played anyone who's very impressive defensively. Rutgers is probably the best defense they played all year so far. Um, they rank 32nd in like uh, sack allowed percentage. I mean, how often their quarterback gets sacked. And Penn State has one of the best trios of pass rushers, uh, defensive ends in the country. Yeah. And they get Chop Robinson back this week. Okay, I was going to ask um, about that if, if Chop was back, yeah. Yeah, um, you okay. have him, you have Isaac, you have uh, Denny Denise Sutton, who's really come made a star turn in his absence. Yeah. Um, Abdul Carter is still a pretty good pass rusher. Linebacker, the less this year. You have some guys that like can get after the quarterback, and I wonder how clean McCarthy will be with their offensive line that's taken a step back in the past couple of years. Yeah, it's it's worth uh, it's worth keeping an eye on because that would throw a wrench into the just churning your way down the field thing. Um, I think Michigan wins. I I think Penn State probably has some moments here that are good, but I don't think Penn State can put together a full a full football game against an opponent of this I agree. caliber. Yeah. I just, I don't know that they have the, yeah. I don't know that they have the guys for it, honestly. I think it's, it's roughly a touchdown loss. That's yeah. my take. Yep. I think that's probably about right. Uh, most wanted category one game here, Alabama at Kentucky on ESPN. I don't think Kentucky's going to win this football game, but it would yeah, be no really, thanks. it would be really yeah. funny <laughs> if we, over the last couple of weeks have continuously thought, well, this is the time. Finally, somebody's going to get Alabama. It never happened. And then Kentucky backs its way into it. Kentucky just does it kind of on accident, like under the radar. We don't even really think about it. Cause like, I don't think they're going to win the game. They're not good. Uh, and that's going to be a problem, but it would be really, it would be really funny. And also it would be extremely good for us uh, because then we wouldn't have to worry about Alabama anymore, which I would really like to, be able to do i don't want to have to think about these guys anymore i'm sick of them yeah they're very tiresome uh it's it's very annoying like their fans are very annoying uh i don't know everything about them is is just kind of very frustrating it pisses me off yeah um you know talking about uh who has three better wins in the country than alabama which is such a bizarre like specific <laughs> argument to make while also having lost you know by two scores at home previously yeah uh, and nearly losing to usf um it's just the classic like selective album memory that the entire media loves to have as well as their fan base. Um, the over under for points for Kentucky specifically in this game is 16 and a half. Hmm. Does that feel shockingly high to you? Yeah. Where the hell are they getting 17 points from? Yeah. <laughs> where are they doing? What, what is, what's causing that? How would that even happen? I don't know. People are pointing out Kentucky's rushing offense and that Devin Leary started playing better, but yeah. I, I'm not, I'm selling on that. Yeah, that seems, yeah, that would be, 
that would be asking a lot. I think Ray Davis can maybe get some stuff going here on the ground. I don't think Devin Leary is going to get a whole lot going, and I don't think that these receivers are particularly good. Um, no. They have some who they drop the ball fine. a ton. Yeah, but yeah. They, they drop the ball too much. Um, yeah. And also, they just... Brown, yeah. They yeah. just haven't been all that good. Um, you know, like they were... The, they, they they took care of business against Mississippi State last time we saw them, but before that it was three straight losses to SEC East teams, and I think Georgia's the only one of those that's better than Alabama. Um, I don't think Missouri or Tennessee is, is better than Alabama, certainly not on defense, and Kentucky yeah. didn't really I score I would like to see Missouri-Alabama play, though. That'd be a fun game. Yeah, that would be a fun game. Um, yeah. Regrettably, they will never, uh, given that the conference is about to span, is about to expand to 64 teams, they're never going to ever play each other again. Yeah. We have With seen the final matchup games. between these two. Yeah. 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 Um, um, so that'll be fun. No, agreed. Like the pitch for Kentucky is just that we've seen Jalen Milrow make some very stupid decisions. Less yeah. lately, they're just basically making him a running back right now. Uh, his only job is to like run the football and throw it either 45 yards downfield or negative two yards downfield. Oh, yeah. Um, that's all they ask him to do. And they've taken a lot out of his hands. However, if you're Kentucky, you could hope you confuse him into an Anthony Richardson style performance uh-huh. where he throws like three picks against you. Um, and we've seen him do that to a lot of good quarterbacks in the past. Yeah. Um, in their defense. Like Brad White has done that frequently. Um, I don't think Kentucky wins. I don't know if it's that close of a game. It's probably like a two score loss, three score loss. Um, but if you want to talk yourself into it, you get an Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson style performance from Jalen Milrow. And that's all it takes. Yeah, I, th- that is basically, and, and that's, you know, not ideal to be saying about a matchup going in is like the best path here for Kentucky is that they get lucky. But like, yeah, it is pretty much just that they get Well, lucky. I don't think they got lucky against Richardson. I think they just confused him a ton. Yeah. I think they're capable of that to Milrow. But, but Milrow, ha- like, you do also Alabama to... has simplified the game plan for Milrow so yeah, much. Yeah, they've so. simplified the game plan and also turnovers are at least in some part luck. You need to catch the ball still. <laughs> and that is, you know, yeah. you yeah. need to have an extraordinary level of turnover game, I think, defensively for, for Kentucky to have a a chance here. And even then we have seen that happen at times for this Alabama team and the team that was playing them didn't take advantage. Tennessee comes to mind specifically. I think Tennessee's offense is better marginally, at least than Kentucky's. And just, you, you have to do that. You have to get the, the turnovers going the right way. And then you also need to get touchdowns and not field goals. And that is just, it's so much to ask of a Kentucky team. That's just not very good on offense. Yeah. And unfortunately, Kentucky is currently tied for 74th in turnovers forced per game. Ah, um, well, <laughs> which is they're, they're tied with some interesting teams here. Duke, mm-hmm. Oregon, Florida State, Georgia also have the, the same he- margin. What the hell um, is going on? <laughs> yeah. Iowa also right there. What the Who fuck? Has one of the best defenses in America. Yeah. Very strange. Like you said, it's a little bit of luck, but they are averaging about an interception forced per game. Yeah. If you. You know, your average in a turnover and a half per game, if you make that two or three turnovers and you keep the ball clean yourself, things get interesting. Yeah. Um, you, they probably, I'd say this, if Kentucky wins the turnover margin by two, they're in the game. Yeah. Boy, that's a lot to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, yeah. that's a lot to ask of Devin Leary <laughs> as, as well. Um, all right, Devin, we need you to play better than you have in the last two years. And then also the defense, we're going to need you to force three turnovers and then maybe we'll have a chance. <laughs> 
that's a lot. That's a lot to ask. I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky. Uh, maybe maybe Kentucky will do the job that nobody else is willing to do. Uh, no fly list. Three games. Texas Tech at Kansas on FS1. Georgia Tech at Clemson on ABC. Maryland at Nebraska on Peacock. This is kind of what I'm talking about, where there's not really a layer below the top layer. This uh, These three are not especially interesting to me. I, 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 I'm, I think I'm good on all three of these, probably. I guess I'm, the Kansas game is only a five-point line, which is kind of fascinating because I think they're fairly, a fair, fair bit better. Or sorry, it's a three-and-a-half-point line now. Mm. I think they are a fair bit better than Texas Tech, and that kind of is shocking to me. Yeah. Um, I'm, doing the, I'm doing the weekly Jalen Daniels check on this one. I'm going to guess that he's probably not playing. Um, yeah, can't wait to find out. Um, yeah, especially Texas Tech, the backup quarterback. I don't know. I'm not... <laughs> What do they do? Like, what has Texas Tech done to make someone think this is going to be a good game? Like, they were close against Oregon, you know, nine weeks ago. Um, that's kind of all we've got here. Yeah. They, uh, With a different quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I don't... Yeah, I, I don't... Right, I exactly. Don't, they're, yeah, I don't think that they're especially... I don't think Texas Tech is especially good. I, I think Kansas probably wins even without Daniels, who I would be stunned if he plays. I guess he said he suffered a setback last week, which... Seems like kind of goes without saying. Um, I would, yeah, yeah I would they are, Seems um, like he they suffered are 0-5 some five against winning teams. Yeah, um, Texas Tech is. Yeah, yeah. I should. I, I suppose I could assume that, given that Kansas only has the two losses. Um, yeah, I think Kansas wins. I, I don't. I don't know that Texas Tech really has the juice to beat anybody good. Uh, they've really not even had the juice to beat bad teams at times. They're just. They're not very good this year. I, I think Kansas probably rules. Yeah. Um, either of these other um, other two grabbing you. Ah. Uh... No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fire up Peacock to watch Maryland, Nebraska. I'll tell you that. No. Um, no. Georgia Tech and Clemson. Um, I guess it would be really funny if Clemson, after their big bounce back win, lost at home to Georgia Tech. That would rock. But I'm not gonna expect that at all. Um, no, no real interest in <laughs> in the rest of these games. It is a two screen game, and I don't know. Maybe something else interesting pops up. Like maybe there's another game that's competitive or, or close late. Yeah, like Indiana, Illinois has potential to get funny. Um, Virginia Tech beating Boston College would be hilarious after we just gave some kudos to Jeff Halfley. Yeah. Um, well, they have a winning. Do they have a winning record? That's going to determine the game. Does Virginia Tech have a winning record? They do not. Okay. Do well, not he currently. can he can get it done then. Uh, this is Jeff's time to shine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Uh, these are the games, I guess. Yeah, those are the games. <laughs> the I afternoon guess. slot's good. Let's get in the afternoon slot. Yeah, we got two in the Guantanamo Bay section here. First up, back in the SEC, Tennessee at Missouri, 3.30 p.m. on CBS. Um, game doesn't have a ton of implications, given that I don't think either one of these is winning the SEC East. I think that that has that ship has just about sailed. But uh, games don't necessarily need to have super high stakes to be worth watching. I think this is going to be a very watchable football game. Uh, two teams that... I, I think in the in the brain space approach the game pretty similarly on the field they have had to do some different things this year specifically on the Tennessee side because Joe Milton uh, stinks he's not good at quarterback and so they have had to change some of the stuff that they do on offense but it's a similar identity and uh, I, I think that probably those those ideas will bounce off of each other in a way that puts a lot of points on the board and is generally just fun to watch I don't think that this is like the highest quality football game in the world but I do think it will be wildly entertaining and that is that's enough to earn it a spot here yeah yeah um i agree i mean it's it's a worthwhile game i I do think there are some 
bowl implications. Like there is a chance that, you know, one of these teams sneaks into an at-large. Um, I guess it's like Missouri. If Missouri were in this game, they have a real chance to sneak into a near six at-large bid. Yeah. Um, it's not super likely, but it is possible. Um, just relevant for, for, you know, obviously Tennessee feels like they're kind of back with Josh Heupel. So this would be a pretty demoralizing blow to that idea. Yeah. Um, Missouri, you know, I think is going for a banner season and going something like winning 10 games would be amazing for them. It would be like a game changer um, for, for Eli and his perception there. I think he's already done a ton for his perception anyway, but winning, going 10 and two is a different ball game. Yeah. Um, and would be massive for them. So especially a big one here at home would be, would be huge. Uh, and like you said, very watchable. It should be entertaining. Should be plenty of points on the board. Just curious to see it play out. Um, the second game obviously has much more implications, right? Yeah. Um, we're talking about which is Utah, Washington on 330 uh, on Fox. Um, I guess, do you have anything else in Tennessee, Missouri before I no. transition? No. Okay. Um, yeah, this is a huge game, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, if if Utah can win this one, they get there and they get themselves back into the Pac-12 title race. The odds don't look great for them, but it's, they could still be alive and be the classic zombie Utah team that, you know, backs its way into the Pac-12 title game and wins yeah. it. It is November, um, which means that Utah has become extremely dangerous. They, it, it's As soon as November comes around, Utah becomes a very bad team to have to play against. Like yeah. Every year. Yeah, 100%. It, it's, every um, single year we have to learn this lesson with these guys. I'm not going to let them get out in front of me this time. They always do this. They do it in November every single year. They just become good. Um, so that that's... Uh, that that it's it's in it's in the front of my mind. I think with this game is that it's November and that's when Utah becomes Utah. And Washington playing sloppy for you know five games in a row, sloppy. I guess it's played poorly in four of the last five games. I would say um, does factor into your mind here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Like I I can't really talk myself into the idea of Utah going on the road and finding enough offense to beat Washington, yeah. even as bad as Washington's defense has been. But again, it's November, Utah. We know like the resiliency of this program. We know the relative shakiness of, of Washington, who's been begging for a loss the last few weeks, uh, the same way like Oklahoma was prior to losing to Oklahoma State um, in, in Kansas. Like, it feels inevitable that Washington's going to drop one, right? Yeah. But... I just, I cannot picture myself and the actual on-field matchup between these two teams seeing Utah find a way to get enough points to win this game. Yeah, it's not a favorable, it's not a favorable matchup for Utah because it, it's, you know, the, that, that pass defense has been really good for them and, and has been for, for years now, but you are, you're still asking the Utah defense with almost certainly without very much help from its offense, without very much insurance to stand on its head for 60 minutes against the, you know, the best passing attack in the country. And that is, it's so much to ask. And when they were playing against USC on the road, it's easier because that passing attack is actually not all that good. Like it's good statistically, but um, they're stupid. The, the way that they do things are stupid and you can, you can make, you can make yourself some advantages. You can create some turnovers. Michael Penix doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. He's, he's had a, a few more these last couple weeks, but you are, you're covering guys who are better than USC's receivers who Utah still did not. I mean, it was not like they didn't shut them out. It was, they put 32 points on the board. Um, you're covering receivers who are better than those guys. And you're also covering just a much better designed passing attack and a, a much smarter offense than the offense that a couple weeks ago in another road game, 
put 32 points on the board. I, I don't know that Utah has, with as, even with as good as its defense is, I just don't know that they can hold up because I think that Washington has been able to put points on the board against just about everybody, and I don't know that that's going to to, to change, especially with Dylan Johnson playing as well as he has of late. Utah's run defense is kind of not quite as good as it usually is. I, I think that Washington is just... I think they're just going to be able to move the ball pretty consistently, and, and I don't think Utah has, even against a bad defense, I just don't think that they can do that. I don't think that this offense is capable of going blow for blow with an offense that's this good and this good at this many things. Yeah, it has to be a crazy turnover game, like the, like which I've said a few times today, which really is kind of a cop-out. Yeah. But like, if this game is played straight up and relatively clean, it's not like you know 130 penalty yards for Washington or three turnovers, then Washington's winning in the ball game that's yeah. kind of how what it comes down to yeah uh utah has to make them play an ugly utah football game and i don't i mean i guess arizona state did it right against washington which is yeah obviously a much worse team than utah but i don't know how replicable i don't know how replicable getting like five turnovers from washington is yeah especially yeah getting like five turnovers especially when you are a, a ranked team who will not be it's not going to be a surprise when utah walks into the building it's not like oh shit these guys are good like they know they're good <laughs> I don't know that there is a I don't know that there's like a, a much of a, a sleepwalking potential here at this point for Washington because it's you know they've got this game they've got Washington State at the end of the season they've got Oregon State like those are opponents that they know and are pretty regularly you know having to get up for I think that the the sleepwalking factor I would assume maybe that maybe they're just you know they just don't show up which is just a concern because they didn't do it against Arizona State um but I don't know that it's a huge thing here because this is a top 25 team and a team that has made a living on ruining seasons they just they do it every year and I think that Washington will be if nothing else very aware of that does that change the fact that Utah is able to do this no but being aware of it is the first step you got to know you have to acknowledge that Utah is capable of doing this and I, I don't think that Washington is going to be caught off guard by that Yep, that's pretty much the size of it. Um, we also have a good rivalry game here in the most wanted section, yeah. uh, which is lost some luster, certainly, as a result of Mario Cristobal doing classic Mario Cristobal stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we have Miami at Florida State at 3.30 on ABC. Uh, Pat, what's your read on this game? I don't have much of one. I was thinking about this last night a little bit when I was putting together the list of, like, I don't know what it is with this Miami team. They just feel, like in my mind, they just feel kind of disconnected from the rest of the sport. I, I don't know if it's just like the schedule that they've played. or because they don't like football or have fans. Yeah, they don't like football or have fans, but they just don't feel especially involved in this college football season. They're just sort of there. Um, and, you know, Florida State, meanwhile, is one of the best teams in the country and has been all season. Uh, my read on it is that Florida State is much better and will win probably pretty comfortably because Miami is not very good and Florida State is good. I, I don't know that it goes a whole lot beyond that. I think Florida State's going to win it pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, Miami's talking about benching Tyler Van Dyke for this game. I Great. That would so, be a really good so like, time to do that. You always want to go into the rivalry the rivalry game against an unbeaten team up at the top of the, the national rankings with a new quarterback. That's a really good time to do that. Mm-hmm. And I will also say, like, Florida State's... Are- early season kind of farting around with teams is far behind it. Uh, it's one, I guess it, what, played a 15 or played an 18 point game against Duke and that's its closest game. Yeah. Uh, over the last, what, six contests, and five Duke, contests. And, yeah. And Duke um, was, Duke was up for that game. Like Duke was playing really well in the first half. It was not just yeah. that Florida state was fucking around. Like Duke was playing really well and then Florida state, you know, took it away. Um, yeah. Which they, they do all year. They, they, they are like, 
The second half football team moniker is usually kind of a cliche. This is a second half football team. Yeah, for sure. If you if you draw a little blood from them and go into second half tight, they are not scared to play it out. Like this team is not going to fold against anybody. Yeah. Um, which and I don't think Miami can even even draw blood. No, and I I don't think like if it comes down to it, if it's a tight game late in a in a folding competition, I don't think you're beating Miami. Like Miami is so good at folding. <laughs> Miami loves to fold. They will do it just you don't even need to it doesn't even need to be a situation where they have a reason to fold. They'll just do it anyway. Like Florida State's up by 20 and Miami is still fucking around and finding a way <laughs> to to make things worse on themselves, right? Like this is not a fourth quarter football team that we're talking about with these with these hurricanes. And I just the matchups in in straight up are not favorable for Miami because Miami isn't good and Florida State is, but it's certainly not favorable when we're talking about a disastrously bad late game and second half team against an extremely good late game and second half team. I just I don't I don't like it at all. I don't like it at, at yeah. even a little bit for Miami on the road. I think Florida State is going to roll them up. Yeah, they have not won on the road since September 23rd. Oh my god! Um, they in their in their last five games, they lost to Georgia Tech uh, by a field goal at home. We obviously all saw that one. Yeah, uh, they lost by two scores on the road to North Carolina. They beat Clemson at home by a score. They beat Virginia at home by a field goal. They lost at NC State by two touchdowns. Uh, and now they're going to play Florida State, who has yeah. been rolling. And they scored um, they scored six points think... against NC State. Uh, it's yeah. I think it's just about done here. I, I think my who has an objectively worse defense. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, yeah, God, mm. they they again they've cracked thirty one points. They got thir- their 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 highest marks in September is thirty one points, uh, and that's against North Carolina's dog shit defense. They yeah. uh they have not looked good for quite a while. Yeah, I. I think Miami's going to lose this game and next week and finish seven and five or six and six. Awesome. Like they have to go at Boston College uh, to end the season, who mm-hmm. are, you know, not good, but has some wins. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very easily go six and six. Unfortunately, Miami will be guaranteed at least a, 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 a winning record, I believe, at that point, because they already have six wins. And so Boston no, College is not. No. They don't have six if wins. They, they do have six wins if they lose the next two going into Boston College. If they lose that game, they will not have a winning record. Okay. Well, I I, don't, I didn't know if it was that winning teams going in or winning teams leaving. Um. Well, they got to go. Uh, yeah, winning teams at the end of the season. Okay. Yeah. Well, they should. They should, Miami, if it wants to assure a win over Boston College, should find one more before it plays that game. That would be a good idea. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Good luck against Louisville. Yeah. Um. Yeah. These guys suck. I think Florida State rolls, but I am curious to watch it. I mean, it, it's. Florida State does not have the world's hardest schedule this year. No. Uh, I mean, they they played, you know, Duke and LSU. Like they played a team that's better than six and three right now. Yeah. Um. So and, and Miami's also not good. This is another six and three team, and they don't play anybody else. They play North Alabama and Florida. It's one of the easiest schedules for any, you know, essentially any playoff contender or, or New Year's Six contender. Yeah. Um. So we're not going to see them play anybody good. This is a relatively okay team, which they play a ton. So I guess I'm curious to watch it. Yeah, they have beaten some relatively okay teams. The ACC has a wealth of relatively okay teams. Um, and yeah. uh, I don't think it'll be any surprise for Florida State here. Uh, no fly list, four games on the board. Arizona at Colorado, 2 p.m. on Pac-12 Network. How how the, the mighty have fallen that Colorado is playing a 2 p.m. game on the Pac-12 Network. <laughs> Ugly, nasty game, work. Game day, but, not there anymore. Uh, App State at Georgia State, 2 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Uh, Oklahoma State at UCF, 3:30 on ESPN, and then Rutgers at Iowa, 3:30 on Big Ten Network. 
um, anything here that is uh, has your has your interest. I think that Oklahoma State UCF is the only one that kind of grabs me, and I, I still I think I'm probably going to stick to the top three in this this slate unless yeah, it gets ugly. I, I don't trust UCF at all. Um, Rutgers Iowa is going to be the fucking every guy you know is doing the sickos game of the week shit about this, which yeah. will make me want to kill myself. Um, however, it is a game between two winning teams. Um, yeah. You have a six and three team and a seven and two team playing. Iowa has uh, division championship implications on the line. Rutgers is playing one of its best seasons in the last decade, um, if not its best season already. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of compelling, maybe, but probably not. Um, yeah. It's not a very watchable football game, obviously. No. Just level of like, it's not like these are two very good defenses. They're also two very bad offenses. It's not like you're going to have a defensive struggle because, you know, because you have two great defenses playing. It's yeah. also because they have two dog shit offenses that are some of the worst in America. Yeah. Um, completed passes game. I mean, over under total has to be 15. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Um, That's generous. That's yeah. generous. Yeah. yeah. I, it's um, it's, it's going to be ugly. I have it on here because of the importance for the, the Big Ten West race, which nobody wants to win, which is the truth every single season. Um, Rutgers is not good, but it is capable of, you know, if it's a close game, Rutgers is capable of winning, and Iowa only plays in close games and has very nearly lost to worse teams than this one and has, I think, lost to worse teams than this one, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, they lost to Minnesota. I, I think Minnesota and Rutgers are not, you know, <laughs> not too distant from each other. I, I I think Rutgers can perform roughly as well as Minnesota has. Um and so it's going to be close. It's going to be important for the Big Ten West. I don't think you should watch it, but I do think you should probably keep the score on your phone. Just keep an eye on it. And then this is this is one you watch the last, like, five minutes of, maybe. And you get really frustrated with how shitty it is. Uh, don't watch the entire game here. You don't you don't need to. You're not going to you're not going to impress anybody by your willingness to subject yourself to bad football. It's not a it's not a positive trade. It's a dumb thing to do. There are better games on. Just watch those. Yep. Yep. Um just watch better games. I don't know. I guess like App State, Georgia State, the other one I would I would just shout out just because it is semi relevant for the Sun Belt. Um, it does still matter. I mean these these teams are uh, both still kind of in the mix. They both need some help, but but no one in the Sun Belt until unless James Madison is ruled eligible, which it does seem to be trending that way, fortunately. Um, but in the interim, uh, this matters, I guess, for that positioning somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, whoever loses this is is basically out of the the East race. Um, if James yeah. Madison is and eligible, the winner still has a yeah, chance. If James yeah. Madison is eligible, everybody is out of the East race. It's them. But um, <laughs> until that point, the winner here would still have some life, not a ton. I think App State probably has the easier. If I'm just going off of memory, has an easier path to doing that because they have more teams on the schedule left who are up near the top of those those rankings. Um, I think Georgia Southern is still on the schedule for them. And so like that would be an important one. Somebody's going to have to win the East if it's not James Madison. Um, and uh, the the winner here will stay alive. The loser is uh, just about out of it, I think, unless some, some crazy stuff happens. I don't know that it's going to be a terribly good football game because I don't think App State is especially fun to watch, but it is important for, you know, the, the stakes as we laid out. Yeah, and also a game where, you know, Sean Clark, if he wants to keep his job, should probably not lose. Yeah, that would be advisable. I, I think he probably should not lose this football game. Um, not uh, Wouldn't be a good idea to do that. Uh, evening, 
Guantanamo Bay game here is Ole Miss at Georgia, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, we continue this run through the games that Georgia could, in theory, lose. And uh, I think I'm probably going to come down on this one basically the same way I did with the Missouri game, which is that, yeah, you can see a path. I don't think it's going to happen, but you can see a path. I just I don't trust Ole Miss all that much. I think Georgia is a better team and, and is a more stable team. But if some things go the right way for Ole Miss, if the you know the passing attack is good, which it, it has been, I think if it, it I think it probably needs to be really good. If they can get the running backs involved, which they've done at times, and again they get some some turnover luck, they could they could make a game of it. They have the skill guys to compete. It's just I don't know what the other path is that's not that because I don't think that they're going to win this one in the trenches, which is usually where you win football games. Georgia has the advantage over just about everybody it plays in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's safe to say. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I guess it'd be really cool if Ole Miss won. I, I, I'd like to see that. Um, they are, as you said, like they're a very competent offensive football team. The defense is not as bad as it usually is. Um, I think they probably have a slightly worse offense than Georgia and a clearly worse defense, which means it's hard for me to project how they're going to win the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess, I don't know. Like, if you if, if you can – like, the, the Ole Miss secondary has been – they've limited big plays, is what I'll say about them for the most part. That's not – I guess not true against LSU – uh, but but by and large, they limited big plays. They they kind of shut down the Bama deep passing game. Um, if you can take away the vertical threat from Georgia and make them run the football all day, certainly Georgia as a program has an identity comfortable doing that. And Ole Miss is probably not going to win in the trenches. But if you can not let Georgia rack up quick, easy points on you yeah. and make them grind out drives, I'd like to see them prove they can do it without Brock Bowers, right? Like, yeah. Because... I mean, Missouri got a, I don't know, Missouri played pretty well against Georgia, right? Missouri kind of sold out to pass rush, and yeah. that did work relatively well. Um, you probably just try to do exactly what Missouri did and hope your offense is better than Missouri's. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, Missouri wasn't that far away, right? They they lost, what was it? It was like an eight-point, nine-point game. They were within the 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 margin where if a couple other things go right for you or wrong for Georgia, you can win the game. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, if you don't throw picks on your last two drives, you you can win that game. That would be such a good idea not to do that. You really, really, really should <laughs> not do that. Um, Jackson Dart, my official coaching tip here for you for this game, you should not do that. Just don't do that. Do something else instead. Play, Make good plays and, and instead of And for what of it's worth, Dart is a very good college quarterback. He's a top 20 or so college quarterback. This is a kid that can play ball. Yeah, and they have some pretty good receivers. Trey Harris has been really good for them. I like that their rushing attack is capable of going outside because that has been at least in the past this season, the way to do it against Georgia. I, I think that the the power running teams just don't really have a whole lot of hope in this game. Like Auburn had a lot of success doing that. Ole Miss has some of that in the playbook. There's there's some crossover with, with Kiffin and Freeze in, in the stuff that they do offensively, like a, a decent amount of crossover. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I think that that is a better way to do it than, you know, what like Kentucky has tried to do, which is just not going to work against Georgia. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't do that. Um, it's just a matter of doing it consistently, which is a lot easier said than done. And then also making some plays on defense, which is again, a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Again, yeah. It's, it's hard to see it actually happening. Um, I think Ole Miss is like the current paper tiger of the year. Um, although I think they're kind of decent. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I guess, 
look, you, you run the football the outside, you get after Carson Beck a little bit. You probably also like want to take out Starks and Bullard from having a huge impact in this game, which means you don't want to throw deep a ton, yeah. which is tough based on what Ole Miss likes to do, but you want to hit a lot of crossers and, and, and like kind of short to intermediate routes over the middle of the field or the, and, and trying to get the safeties out of it. Um, uh, fuck Fino. Yeah. I mean, they have a really good tight end. They just haven't used them much this year. Maybe he has a big game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eh. George is going to win, but it sure would be cool if they didn't. Yeah. You really, the, the finding a way to get the safeties out of those, those deep spots is really important. And it is like, it's kind of a, a you know, a circular logic thing where like throwing at them is a bad idea. And it, it's, it's a really good way to have the ball going in the other direction, but also, I don't know how else you don't, you know, how else you, you back them up, how else you keep them out of the, the you know, the, the mix in the box uh, without doing that, without understanding that you have to, you have to make some throws down the field that probably aren't going to work and could end up being really bad. You need them to just not work instead of being really bad because you need to keep those safeties out of the fucking box. If they're in the box, it's over. Uh, if they're not worried about a deep threat, it's, you're not going to win the, you're not going to win the football game. You just have to... Really, you kind of need to just get lucky on one or two of them. You need one of your guys to go up and get a, a, a you know, a 50-50 ball that against Georgia is more of a 30-70 ball. You need one or two of those to hit. I think they have receivers who can do that. It's just, again, this is always the thing with Georgia whenever we're talking about a team playing them. You have to do it, and it's nobody has done it, right? It's, it's, it's uh, Nobody's done it enough to win the game in two fucking years it's hard to do they're they're hard to beat and it's the same it's really the same reasons that they have been hard to beat it is just you know Ole Miss has guys who can do that they need to do it they need everybody to be at their best they need really good games from several very important players and they also need some Georgia mistakes it's not impossible but it is it's hard for a reason yeah yeah and and I guess to be the one benefit we have here for Ole Miss is that unlike a lot of coaches we know Lane is not going to be scared to try to go for it on fourth downs no. in the red zone and try to really get touchdowns here. I don't think he's going to settle for a ton of field goals. He, I guess he did a bit against Alabama, but also Bama had their had their offense right that day. They had nothing on offense. Yeah. Um, I think if they can move the football, Lane is not going to be scared about taking shots and going for it, which is either going to result in a very competitive fourth quarter game or a Georgia blowout. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're going to see like a a game where Georgia kind of keeps him at arm's length all day and wins by like ten or fourteen points. Yeah, I think this is probably either it's it's swinging one of other direction, right? It's either going to be a, a game where Ole Miss has a chance to win it in the final few minutes, or where Georgia's going to win by by three scores. Yeah, yeah, Ole Miss is going for the the power puncher approach, which sometimes you can you can do that and you can win the game because of it, and sometimes you miss and you fall down and then it's over. Um, it's not, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it can go, it can go a couple of ways based on high variable plays of like fourth and three from your own 40 is kind of a crapshoot. Um, it's just, do those, do those plays go your way or not? Um, and the, you know, the assumption is not cause usually it's not against Georgia, but it, it is, it's possible. It's, I, I don't think that this team is unbeatable. It's just that it's hard to do. And I don't know that I, I certainly wouldn't pick Ole Miss to do it, but they, they can, if things go the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, we'll be watching it. We will be watching this game. Yeah. Um, there are two other really good games though, in the most wanted slot. 
Maybe really good. Is yeah, I was going to say bit, really but... good is generous. Maybe a couple weeks ago they were really good. <laughs> now they're yeah, just games probably I'm still... regular good. Interesting. Games Games I'm interested to watch. Yeah, we have West Virginia and Oklahoma, which does not necessarily matter for the playoff or the New Year's Six or, or you know, the Big 12 title race. It matters a bit for the Big 12 title race, I guess. Like, the loser is done, right? Whoever loses this game is out of the Big 12 title race. Yeah. Uh, the Big 12 currently has... Uh, two teams at five and one, and it has five teams at four and two. Yeah. Uh, both of these teams sit at, sit at four and two. Um, the loser will be out. The winner could get lucky and back its way in. Yeah. Um, a special, I mean, like, I don't know, WU has already lost to, uh, lost to Oklahoma State and does not play Texas, which makes it tough. They, uh, they also have not beaten any other team they're tied with. And won't play any of them. So WU's path is pretty dim. Yeah. Uh, Texas obviously has that win against, uh, or sorry, Oklahoma has that win against Texas and has that win against Iowa State. Um, it also lost to Kansas and Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Oklahoma sees another Texas loss and Iowa State were to, I don't know, win out, I guess it could help Oklahoma could back its way in. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Yeah. yeah, I think state, I think stakes wise, you're not gonna, if that's what you're looking for, this is probably not the game for you. Um, I do think it will probably be a pretty entertaining football game again, kind of like the Missouri, Tennessee thing where it's like, yeah, I don't really know exactly what they're playing for, but they're, they're, they're relatively watchable teams. West Virginia has run the ball pretty well this season. Um, you know, Oklahoma is Oklahoma. I did realize as I was putting this on the list last night, um, <laughs> just just laying it out and thinking about it for a second as I was sorting through the games and trying to figure out where to put this one, um, I had the, the thought occur of like, wow, I don't give a shit at all about Oklahoma now. Now that I don't have to th- to think about them as like a national contender, this this conference is already so just just like decentralized there's no real like ethos to it there's no like it's west virginia and oklahoma there's not really a history there outside of like a couple games i just don't give a shit about oklahoma i don't care they're not they're not a factor nationally and that's the only thing that the big 12 is standing to do right now it's not a conference in any meaningful sense it's just a bunch of teams trying to get out a bunch of teams trying to go compete at a different level nationally rather than playing these games. They're just, it's an, it's an avenue to get to a different thing and Oklahoma can't get to that thing. And so it's like, what do I care? It's not my problem. They already lost two games. They're done. Their season's over. They don't like, Oh great. We won the big 12 title and the zombie big 12 that we're leaving this season. Like who cares? They're not going to do that. It's just, they're, they're just there. They're just some team that's running around. It's a wasted season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, I agree. I mean, look, there's uh, there's no stakes, right? It's fine. I'll admit, there's no stakes. <laughs> it's just two watchable teams. Yeah. Um, the other game does have some stakes. Um, Duke and North Carolina. If North Carolina wins, they are still alive for the ACC title berth. Yeah. Um, against Louisville. Uh, if Duke wins, it's pretty much over. Yeah, Louisville is going to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, with a win over Virginia. Yeah. Uh, that's pre- it's also a rivalry game right that's yes, fun that was where i was gonna um, go with it is that it also has the stakes of it being a rivalry game which is another thing that the big 12 is going to be solely you're sorely missing here in the next 
yeah, as it as it sets up for its future, uh, you know, membership. No fucking rivalry games, yeah. and so these games that don't have direct conference title implications don't matter to anybody. They're just games that are happening. Whereas the ACC, at least for right now, until it adds SMU and two California teams, it still has these games. It still has like, yeah, Duke North Carolina. That's a fun football game that matters to these teams, even if it doesn't really matter that much externally. It does for North Carolina. Duke is kind of yeah. out of it, but it still has there, the there, the factor of there's a memory of these games being played that matters to the people who are watching, and it should be fun because it is important on its own yeah i guess the big 12 would have what it has kansas kansas state the holy war mm-hmm. uh the territorial cup and baylor tcu is that it pretty much <laughs> pretty much Ugh. yeah it's that stinks uh, it's rough i guess it ha- i mean it has cincinnati is cincinnati west virginia a named rivalry i'm gonna look it up right now um it has obviously the, the there's a history there clearly but I don't know how recognized it is. Um, it's it not. Appears like no. Yeah, it's not uh, quite a. It's not quite a, a Pitt West Virginia style rivalry. Um, no, gonna have to make one up. I mean, the Ohio River rivalry isn't a name yet, right? That seems pretty pretty straightforward. Let me see. I'm gonna look that. I'm gonna look into. Although I guess Cincinnati is not. Is that is it on the Ohio River? Yeah, it is. Let's see here. Um, uh, there's the, ri- yeah. the Ohio River. Where, how does that cut? There's the ri- there's um, the River City rivalry, which is Cincinnati and Pitt. I don't know if you can. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do they, do they um, are they allowed to use the name basically the same name for a second game? Just add a a word to it. I guess not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck else do they have in common? Uh, the we're both kind of near Kentucky rivalry. It's the Hick Bowl. Um, this is the Hick Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Got to get a name here. You got to get a name. You guys have to do something. <laughs> yeah, you guys have to do something. Somebody you guys ha- need to figure some- out what you do. Something has to be done about the new Big Twelve. Something. Something must be done about the Big Twelve. Yeah, I. I, uh, I don't know. I guess Colorado has some some history with some of the teams in the league. Not as much as Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, but some. <laughs> um, boy, what a. That, yeah, Nebraska's not there. Oh <laughs> the boy! Uh, I don't know. They used to be in the in the, the <laughs> Big Eight. They played some of those teams. They played the Kansas teams and Iowa State. And man, I don't know what a yeah. We're gonna we Iowa have, State. We're gonna make you have a rivalry, dog. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna tie Iowa State. You're gonna State. have the we're nation's good. like third most. The, Iowa State's gonna have the nation's third most important corn themed rivalry. Yeah, trophy. God. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fucking we're gonna tie Iowa State's ankle to Cincinnati's ankle, and we're gonna lock them in a room together. Just like, okay, you two learn how to hate each other. We're not. We're gonna. We'll feed the winner. <laughs> just, that's, <laughs> just just trying to manufacture anything at all that anybody in this league would care about. Jesus Christ, they have. Shit, and then what they the fuck is UCF doing down there? They're just hanging. They're just chilling out. They're they've got. They're like, UCF is a program that only has made up rivalries. They just they're because it's you know they were born in like 2003. Um, I know that that's it not at least accurate, have a good but, name. Like the War on I four is at least yeah a cool that name. was a baller name. Uh, even though UCF uh, seemingly has always considered itself above South Florida and doesn't want to have to play that game and, and is actively against playing it. Um, yeah, I don't know what I don't really it's know. It's so what funny UCF has to be UCF. On. I think you're above somebody. <laughs> You're gonna get you're gonna get a nasty DM after this podcast goes out. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like you are the definition of new money. Yeah, like 
There is no one in all of college sports at any level who is more new money than you are. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I'm trying to think. Of one. Like, I, I don't. don't know I, who I don't dislike UCF. I just mean like, shouldn't you want a rivalry? Shouldn't you want to have yeah. that experience? Like, wouldn't that be cool. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be fun to have one? Yeah, it's. Uh, boy, they this uh, we our our estimation of the Big Twelve has just been straight down from last year when it was first announced the teams that were joining straight down. Uh, no no jumps up since then. It's it's only it's on a. It, roller coaster that's just heading down going <laughs> straight it could straight have it, the pitch for it is it could have the energy of like the american of like five years ago mm. where you didn't really have any real rivalries there either you just had a bunch of teams that were good at yeah. football yeah. and played fun games um maybe you get that i don't know fuck it anyway duke north carolina um <laughs> no riley leonard um oh, i'm out Never no mind. defense the field for north carolina <laughs> North Carolina does not field a defense. It kind of just yeah. lets the other team play yeah. 11 players and see what happens. Yeah. Um, it's fun. <laughs> uh, if I'm obviously rooting for Duke. I'd yeah. like to see Duke win. But North Carolina is favored by two touchdowns. That seems Probably. that seems like a little bit much. I don't know. Like Duke does still play hard and they have yeah. like they do things well in the trenches on both sides. Yeah. Um, they run the football relatively well, but mm. Uh, North Carolina is just better right now without Leonard. Yeah. Yep. Without Riley Leonard, my interest in this one is pretty low. Uh, no fly list. We got three games. Georgia Southern at Marshall, 7 p.m. on the NFL Network. I am good. I don't want to watch Marshall play football ever again. Uh, Rice at UTSA, 7.30 p.m. on ESPNU. And another Big 12 game, Texas at TCU, 7.30 on ABC for some reason. I don't know why this one gets the ABC building. TCU's mm. not good. It's not just like, oh, TCU. It's, got, you know. it's one of those TV deals they have where it's like the the ESPN gets a certain number of like high pit. Like ABC, I think, I think it's something with the contracts. I read about those the Big Ten where like, like yeah. even for the ABC games, they have to put a certain number of good ones on ESPN, like for cable subscribers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's why. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's uh, this. The congratulations to this game on being the one that uh, that we're stuck with on ABC for this week. Um, I think Rice UTSA is probably the only one here that I'm kind of interested in because I think Rice is decent. UTSA has become good; they have figured it out. Uh, I I don't uh, I don't know that I'm going to pay a ton of attention to it still with with Ole Miss Georgia at the top. But honestly, it might be my number two uh, screen game because I don't know that I have a ton of interest in either of the most wanted games as anything more than just like an entertainment thing. This one does matter for the AAC race, and I think could be pretty fun. Um, the other two, I don't. Uh, I don't have any similar feelings about. I don't think I would really be. I don't think I would be especially interested in either one of those. Yeah. Again, I think we said this one for was it Texas at Baylor early in the year where it's like the funniest Texas thing to do is like survive your hardest game left of the season, like be in position like where if you win out, you're all you need is one team, one undefeated team in front of you to lose, and you're in the playoff. Yeah. Um, and you know, to like shit the bet against TCU and everyone else is watching five yeah. or six or seven other more important games all day. Yeah. Kind of a Texas move to do, but they probably, I don't think they actually do it, but it'd be funny, I guess. What is the, Quinn, um, what is the Quinn status on this one? I want to, I want to know. Um, um, doesn't matter. This is a story from Athlon. Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers posts cryptic social media message. 
<laughs> yeah, he's day to day is what the update is. Cool. Did, um, he, did he post that on social media? He's like, yeah, I'm, ta- I'm day to day. Yeah, listed as day to day instead right. of instead of week to week. That's so funny that they were actually formally using week to week to say out, motherfucker. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things. Yeah. Well, who cares? We're not going to watch that game once it's closed. Um, there's a good night slot, man. Actually, a really good night slot. Yeah, this is um, one of the best of the year, there, I think, for the for the late night. Yeah. Obviously, the headline game is our Guantanamo Bay game selection, which is USC at Oregon uh, at 10.30 on Fox. Um, look, we all know you and I hate the Lincoln Rally USC program, right? We're tired of this shit. Yes. Uh, Caleb I think, Williams crying I think we have on the made field. That, uh, I think we've made it pretty clear at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. We got to make it more clear. Yeah. Um, I know players cry in football. I did this bit last week, you know, crying in the stands and talking about how you want to go home and watch shows with your dog. Fuck off, dude. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I can't stand that. That's uh, I, I hate that. Uh, especially after this was resurfaced I mean, the, the, this week. I don't know if you saw it, where apparently Caleb Williams last season quote tweeted a video of Max Duggan crying after yeah. the playoff game. I did see And this. said, ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this guy. Um, however. What was the point of doing that? It I'm, wasn't like he was in the playoff game. It wasn't like Caleb was on the other side. He was watching from home. Yeah, do they have dog. beef? Did the next Duggan like talk shit as an illegal <laughs> eleven counselor or something? I don't know. Um, That's such a funny guy to have also... beef with. <laughs> you motherfucker, yeah. Max Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> what I will also say though is that the egregious misranking of Oregon at six, like it is completely unjustifiable. Like Oregon should be tenth or eleventh or twelfth. Um, they should not be sixth based on their resume. I hate that they're there. Um, there would be some just desserts seeing Oregon lose as a result of that. Not that it's like their fault they got ranked, but I'm just tired of dumb media guys, I guess, is my complaint. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's fair. I also, like, as an actual football game, obviously I, I would prefer that Oregon wins because I think Oregon is, is good and I like watching them play. Yeah, um, sure. And also the Pac-12 get a title team. Yeah, yeah and, and also as a football game, I think Oregon is going to kick the shit out of these guys. I, I don't think USC is going to be competitive here. Probably. Um, yeah, I'm just strictly talking narratives. I agree yeah, narrative-wise, yes. I, I But I, I think... Uh, I think Oregon has this one handled. I, I think even honestly, if if even if this was like a huge game for USC, like a one loss USC, this is like a must win game. If if they had you know they had pulled it off against Utah, if they had pulled it off against Washington, and their only loss was that Notre Dame game, I still think Oregon would win. I even if it was a fully invested, fully everything still on the table for USC game, I still think Oregon would win. Oregon is better. Oregon is better at just about every single thing that you can do on the football field. I think Oregon is going to kind of going to kind of run them off uh, a little bit here yeah i mean oregon is one of the best defenses in the country and they like i think they're just going to out physical usc and usc's players are like you're going to have a halftime quitting for some UFC, usc players these guys yeah. are not coming back yeah uh, to play the rest of the game at halftime um i am predicting a forfeiture of the game uh it's like that friday night light scene where they would not come out at halftime when uh-huh. coach taylor got to uh uh what, what was the uh broken up the wrong West tree something I don't know. <laughs> um what was the name of the school god damn it um west dylan when he got uh, to west dylan as the new coach um and their first or second game they didn't have enough players and they forfeited yeah uh that's gonna happen to usc enough players will not want to come out after halftime mm-hmm. um <laughs> i don't know fuck these guys but it's an entertaining game 
USC will probably put up more points on Oregon's defense than anyone except Washington has. Um, Maybe. I think Oregon does have a very good defense. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a a Texas Tech style result. Um, that seems, we'll see. That, They're going to win the game. That seems like the best case scenario for USC is a Texas Tech style result. Um, I, I <laughs> yeah. think the I think the most likely outcome is a uh, a pretty comprehensive uh, beating. I, I think it's a I think it's a, a multi score win for Oregon. Probably, I would say upwards of twenty. I think Oregon is going to win this one pretty comfortably. I think they're yeah. They're the quite line's a bit fifteen. Better. That's probably yeah. fair. Yeah, I think they're quite a bit better. Most wanted here. Um, you we we we've got Iowa State BYU ten fifteen on ESPN. I don't know that if this was me or you who put this here. I had it in the most wanted last night when I put it together, and then I was looking at the games for long enough, and I swapped them. Uh, but it's back here in I the most wanted. Yeah. Okay, give me your <laughs> give me your pitch then, because I was I thought about this game, and I know that Iowa State is in contention, you know, near the top of the Big Twelve. I know all of that. I don't want to watch a fucking second of this game. I don't want to watch these teams play. They are not good. Neither one of these teams is good. Well, that's all it is. I mean, I, I don't know. Like the other game, we talked them both at the same time. The other game is uh, Fresno State at San Jose State at ten thirty on CBS Sports Network. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. Th- I know you're kind of higher on San Jose State than I am, uh, and you think they figured some things out. They have won their last three games in a row yeah. while playing New Mexico, Utah State, and Hawaii. I guess I just don't think San Jose State's actually good at all. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to be very competitive with the Fresno State team. That's much better to me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, I don't think BYU is very good either. I think it has a higher likelihood of being a competitive football game late. Um, and I guess that's why I moved it up. That's my only take. Yeah. I I think for the yeah if if you are interested in the Big Twelve stuff I think that that game is a is a fairly easy sell. What I will say on San Jose State is that on top of winning those last three games, which it did by thirty five, twenty one, and twenty eight points, uh, it is also coming off of at long last a bye week. It has not had a bye week until this past weekend. They had played uh, nine consecutive games without break. And they were getting better despite not having a bye week, and now they have a bye week. Um, SP Plus has this as only a seven-point difference, Fresno State by a touchdown. I think that this could be, I think it could be really competitive. I think San Jose State has, as you said, I, I think they have figured yeah. some things out. Fresno State's better, but it's at I San, San Jose, Jose State. San Jose State's also favored by a point. Yeah. They are? Yeah. Huh. That's very strange. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I, I, I think to, it's going to be good to, though. I, I, San Jose State yeah. has some veteran players. They have a, a you know senior quarterback in Chevin Cordero. They have some running backs who have really come on for them. They're doing some different things offensively than they usually do because they don't have the star receivers that they used to have. But the defense has started to improve. I think that they are getting better. I don't know if that's enough to win this game, but I do think it's going to be competitive. And also, it's pretty important for the Mountain West title race. San Jose State, I believe, still only has two conference losses. Um, And so it could involve itself a little bit here. It still has UNLV on the schedule as well. San Jose State is, is looming. And if it won this one, it would not be looming anymore. It would be involved. It would be there. Yeah, that's all fair. Um, it's true. It's true. I mean, they would be right in the mix. Um, and they do have a chance to play UNLV. They could kind of just take control of it. Yeah. Um, and I guess on closer examination, I mean, I can't I can't pretend I've watched a ton of San Jose State games this year. Uh, they're they're four and five, and they did lose to Boise State for this three game winning streak. Yeah, they blew uh, a, they blew a huge lead in that game. They were up by like twenty points and they yeah. just fell apart, which was really frustrating. Yeah. 
And that's obviously the most talented team in the conference. It's one of the most talented G5 teams in the country. Yeah, the Air Force um, game was kind of similar. It was close going into the second half. I think they even led going into the second half, and then Air yeah. Force held the ball for like 25 of the last 30 minutes of the game, which is, they'll they'll do that to well, you. Well, that's what I was going to say. is like four of their five losses are against teams that are seven and two or better. Yeah. They've lost to USC, Oregon State, Toledo, and Air Force, which was a brutal schedule. Yes. And then also the Boise State loss. And then their other four wins are all blowout wins. So maybe I am underrating San Jose State here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess you sold me. Okay. Um, my bad. <laughs> there we go. Changing hearts and minds, folks. Uh, yep, good slate. Really good slate, I think, of, of college football. Lots of fun stuff to watch. And uh, we will be back, of course, as we always are, on uh, on the recap love show. Love that to talk college about... football, folks. Yeah, we love that college football. Yeah. I'll keep drinking that garbage. Uh, We'll be back to talk about it all on the recap show.